You must seek the realm of the unicorn. Only a unicorn's horn can purify the water in your medieval village, so you set off to find a unicorn. After a long search, you meet a sorceress who promises to help you. She offers you a choice of two spells. One will give you the power to speak with animals. The other will weave you a golden net for catching magical beasts. Which spell should you choose? If you choose to speak with animals, turn to page 44. If you choose the golden net, turn to page 49. Take heed. The realm of the unicorn is perilous. You may be burned to a cinder in a dragon's fire or turned into a tree by an evil wood witch. Or you may find the unicorn and bring it home in triumph. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You are the star of the story. Choose from 27 possible endings. Choose your own adventure book 51, The Magic of the Unicorn, by Deborah Lermay Goodman, illustrated by Ron Wing. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose-your-own-adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. Okay. <laughs> there is a uh, creepy jester on the cover and a wood witch and a dragon with weird feet. Wood witch? Is it like uh, Meg Mucklebones from Legend? Yes. Yeah. It's a very legendy cover. Out of... All of the covers, I want to say I like this one the most so far. It still has the amalgamation sort of artwork going on. Sure. But it actually feels like one cover, art one, one yeah. art piece, yeah, right. yeah. instead of like five art pieces slapped together into one picture. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I'm digging about it. So yeah. I'm not sure if I could say I like this one the best yet, but it's a decent cover. Yeah, it's a good cover. Warning, do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. It contains many different adventures you may have as you search for a unicorn. From time to time as you read along, you will be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. Only you are responsible for your fate because only you can make these decisions. After you make each choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Think carefully before you act. The magic of the unicorn is very powerful. Will you use it to save your village, or will you be trapped forever under an evil spell? You're about to find out. Good luck. I suggest we'll be be trapped forever under an evil spell. Yeah, that's... You're you're voting evil spell? Yeah. All right. The summer of 1507, which I'm not sure is medieval, but okay. Yeah, I I think that's the beginning of the Renaissance. Renaissance. The summer of 1507 is exceptionally dry throughout Flanders. Fires scorch the forests. Crops wither and animals collapse with thirst. Nowhere is the drought as severe as in your own small village. Just last week, when you went to check the dwindling water supply, you discovered a dead rat floating in the well upon which everyone depended. That's how you get the plague. The barrels of rainwater are nearly empty, and all attempts to dig a new well have yielded nothing but dry earth. One morning, after weeding the field you inherited when your parents died ten years ago... Oh, good lord. (laughs) When you were one. Yeah, when you were one. It's medieval times. Yeah, that's true. 
One morning after weeding the field you inherited when your parents died 10 years ago, you pay a visit to Marie Claire. She's the oldest person in the village and one of your special friends. She's 28. I was going to say, she's 30. (laughs) (laughs) Some people say this might be the last summer any of us lives to see, you tell her sadly. Uh, Spoiler, it's not. No. (laughs) None of the other villages around has enough to share with us, and it's hopeless to keep trying to dig a new well. I wish there were something I could do about it. Marie Claire looks up from her knitting. You could try to lure a unicorn to the well. Why, the touch of its horn purifies even poison. Tell me more. Yeah. But Marie Claire, you exclaim, around here unicorns are rarer than water. I bet it would be easier to find the sorceress than a unicorn. That's a good idea, she replies. (laughs) I mean, they're both fictional, so why not? I'm sure the sorceress knows all about unicorns. Why don't you look for her? But no one has seen her in years, you remind Marie Claire. The last person who tried to find her never even returned. Ah, but you are ten times smarter than anyone who has ever searched for the sorceress. If anyone can find her, it is you. That's true. Stroking our ego. Yeah. Although you feel flattered, you are not sure you are really clever enough. Oh, we are. We're sure. (laughs) Well, I'll give it a shrink. (laughs) 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 Well, I'll give it a try. I wonder if I still remember that riddle describing the way to find the sorceress. Is this right? You take a deep breath and recite. Never a land reserved for woe in a place that's high but low. Watch which way the bat doth go. Find me there and I will know. Okay. Something about being high. (laughs) Yeah. And low. Something about baseball. Mm -hmm. there. There was something about baseball. Perfect, says Marie Claire, as she hands you a glass pendant shaped like a raindrop. A baseball pendant? Yes. Put on my good luck talisman. Use it as you need it, my friend. That is one heck of an interesting looking talisman. Says go, Dodgers. (laughs) Looks like a mini vibrator. (laughs) Oh, that's fun. You say goodbye to Marie Claire, then roam the parched fields. After pondering the riddle, you think of two places reserved for woe. The sorceress can mean the village graveyard or the small camp outside the village where two lepers live in gloomy isolation. (laughs) Jesus. You head for the graveyard, turn to page 11. If you decide to go to the lepers camp, turn to page 8. Oh, boy. I don't care for lepers, honestly. Um, Graveyards, I could give two craps about, so. Okay. You don't want to visit lepers and you don't give a shit about graveyards is what you're saying. I'm not scared of the graveyard, is what I'm saying. Okay. I say I say go to the graveyard because okay. lepers are gross. <laughs> oh, I'm fine with that. Okay. It's racist against lepers. I don't think lepers are a race. <laughs> Diseasist. Diseasist against lepers. Yeah. I'd, I'd say I'd say that's probably more accurate. Okay. You would, you racist. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the path to the graveyard is all downhill, you are hot by the time you arrive there. You sit in the shade of a drooping tree to cool off. As you watch parched leaves float to the dusty ground, you consider the next line of the riddle. In a place that's high but low. What can be both high and low? Looking around, you notice the rolling slopes of the hills along the far side of the graveyard. They seem to be both high and low. But then the church bell rings, striking noon. Turning, you realize the steeple of the church also fits the riddle. The church itself is in a low valley, but the steeple towers high above the village. 
You walk over to the hills, turn to page three. If you enter the church, turn to page 16. Plus the tones of the bell coming from the tower could be ringing high and low. Mm-hmm. And I'm overthinking the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So we should definitely go to the church. Sure, we might catch on fire if we walk into the place. <laughs> I mean, we're not the sorceress. Doesn't mean that we're good people. That's true. We're still going to go to the I church. Mean, we're looking for a unicorn to make it use its horn to fix our fucking village. That's true. And if it doesn't want to, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> we chop that thing right off. Yeah. Let's go to the church. Sure. <laughs> church. <laughs> the one and only time that I'm like, yeah, let's go to church. <laughs> When you go inside the church, Brother Michel looks up from the candelabrum he is polishing. I was just wishing for some company. <laughs> He's polishing his candelabra. <laughs> and wishing for some company. <laughs> yes, he is. What are you and up to? we are children. <laughs> what are you up to, my friend? I'm looking for the sorceress. You explain your interpretation of the riddle. Brother Michel strokes his chin. I don't believe anyone has ever considered the graveyard or steeple when figuring out that riddle. Addiction? Yeah. <laughs> so you may be on the right track. The next line of the riddle says to watch which way the bat goes, you tell him. Have you ever seen bats here? Plenty, he exclaims. At night, they fly around the steeple. I've heard them down in the cellar, too, although I never actually go there. I didn't know there was a cellar under the church. Oh, there's a crawl space there, but it's too small to be very useful, says Brother Michel. Not only that, it's so infested with spiders that no one dares set foot in it. In fact, it would be a clever place for the sorceress to hide. If I had the courage, I'd look there. You are tempted to investigate the cellar, even though you don't like the idea of running into a web full of spiders. You also remind yourself that the riddle mentions a place that's high but low, and the cellar doesn't fit that description as well as the steeple does. If you want to explore the cellar, turn to page 20. If you think the steeple is a better choice, turn to page 9. Steeple. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I do kind of want to make us go down into the shitty place. Where the spiders are. Yeah, but I think the steeple makes more sense in this case. So. I mean, cellar, I'd be fine with. But then halfway through the description, they change it to a crawl space, basically. Yeah, I'm fine with that, too. Cellar tells me that there's probably barrels of alcohol down there. Mm-hmm. So, I'm thinking like canned pickles and beets. And I'm, fine, like that, I'm so. fine with pickles, too. I'll do pickles or wine. I don't care. But, uh, yeah. Crawl space. Steeple. I say steeple. Will you help me climb up the steeple? You ask Brother Michel. I'll hoist you onto the rafter, but after that you're on your own, he says. I'm afraid to climb that high. And he is a puss. Brother Brother Michel lifts you over his head up toward the rafter. You grab the beam. After a few seconds of scrambling, you write yourself safely on the rafter. What are you going to do next, calls Brother Michel nervously. You look around. See that rope dangling from the church bell? Would you please move it closer so I can grab hold of it and climb all the way to the top of the steeple? He takes hold of the bottom of the rope and carries it towards you. I can't bring it any closer, he says. Off to take a leap. Let's hope I can grab the rope, you tell him with more confidence than you actually feel. Here goes. You hurl your body toward the rope and miraculously (laughs) manage to grab it tightly. As you sway from side to side, the clanging of the bell is almost deafening. Oh no, wails Brother Michel. Now the whole village will come running to find out why the bell is ringing. Just wait till they see I've allowed you to climb all over the church. (laughs) You pay no attention. 
Yeah, that's the right yeah. response. A trap door by the base of the bell has swung open, releasing a frightened bat. It flutters anxiously around you, then swoops out the window below. What's behind that door up there, you ask Brother Michel. I had no idea it was there, he replies. Then the next line of the riddle, Watch which way the bat doth go, springs into your mind. You think you should probably follow the bat out the window, but you're very curious about the trap door. If you begin climbing down to follow the bat, turn to page 50. If you can't wait a minute longer to find out what's behind the trap door, turn to page 69. I think we should follow the bat. It's maybe the most obvious part of the whole riddle. I do too, but I mean, trap doors are really interesting. Uh, But the riddle says follow the bat. Yeah. Okay, follow the bat. Could you tell me where the bat went? You ask Brother Michel as you climb down. He dashes out and hurries back. It's sitting on the ledge outside that window. You swing the rope toward the rafter and jump onto the beam. The bell clangs crazily. I'll distract the villagers so they don't scare the bat away, Brother Michel tells you. You Careful thank him. Careful of their torches. Yeah. I'm going to lower myself onto the windowsill, then go out on the ledge, you say. Taking a deep breath, you step through the window onto the narrow wooden ledge. The sun-scorched wood feels hot on your bare feet. You flatten your back against the building and try to control the dizziness that threatens to overwhelm you. The bat cocks its head at you expectantly, then flutters further along the ledge. You are terrified to take another step. You squeeze your eyes shut, conscious only of the blood pounding in your ears. You finally force yourself to open your eyes. The bat is still waiting. As you edge toward it, an enormous splinter pierces your foot. (laughs) Unbearable pain pulses up your leg, filling your entire body. Your leg jerks into the air and your arms fly out in a desperate attempt to steady yourself, but there is nothing to grab. You scream with horror as you plummet to the ground. When you regain consciousness, a crowd of villagers is gathering around you. You're alive, thank heaven, cries Marie Claire. Yes, but you've broken both your legs, says Brother Michel. (laughs) You know your search for the sorceress is over. The end. (laughs) Uh, Why did I listen to you? Because I'm brilliant. Oh, okay. So we can go to the trap door. Or the cellar. Or the cellar. Or the leper's camp if we went uh, all the way back to the beginning. So I say the leper's. Lepers. Home. Yeah. I want to okay. go visit some lepers. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to see some noses fall off. Wow. <laughs> That's racist. Okay. I'm going to go to the leper's camp. You turn down the path to the leper's shabby hut. You know the villagers stay far from the lepers for fear of catching their dreaded skin disease, and they will be very upset if they ever learn you visited the lepers. When you first glimpse the two swollen faces peering out the doorway, you panic, then force yourself to continue toward them. Welcome, friend. Please come inside, says one of the lepers warmly. Thanks, but I'll stay outside, you reply. (laughs) I'm looking for the sorceress. The riddle says she lives near a place of woe, and I thought that might mean your home. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> Not holding back at no. all. <laughs> Since no one will have anything to do with us, this is indeed a woeful place, says the second leper. But I don't think it's the one your riddle describes. We've never seen the sorceress. In fact, I think even she must be afraid of catching our disease. Is leprosy that bad, you ask? (laughs) No, it's not so bad. No, says the first man, but the way people treat us is horrible. In fact, you'd better hurry back. If anyone sees you here, they won't let you return home. Somebody saw us there. 
You say goodbye to the men and head toward home. As you reach the road to the village, you meet several of your neighbors. Their faces lighten. Their eyes dart back and forth between you and the lepers who are still standing by their doorway. (laughs) Stay back, shouts one man. Keep away. (laughs) It's all right, you insist. I was just there for a minute. You can't return to the village. Go back to the lepers, shrieks another neighbor, eyeing you fearfully. As you start to follow them, the villagers gather stones. Leper, leper, they scream, throwing rocks at you. Well, that was something. Filled with horror, you race away from the villagers. You slowly realize you can't go home, but cling to the hope that their panic will subside in a few days, especially if you find a way to purify the well. Since you can't continue your search for the sorceress by investigating the graveyard, you decide to concentrate on finding a unicorn. You turn away from your village and walk along the road toward the forest, hoping to find a unicorn there. Before long, you hear a cart approaching behind you. The driver is Simon, a traveling peddler you've always liked. You wave to him and ask, where are you going? Simon pulls the cart to a halt beside you. Everyone around here is too upset about the drought to take much interest in my trinkets. I'm going to try my luck in the city of Arras. At least people will be trading there. Want to join me? Arras! You've never been to the city before. Although you would love to go, you suspect unicorns are more likely to live in the forest. But maybe you can meet someone in Arras who could tell you how to find a unicorn. If you decide to search for a unicorn in the forest, turn to page 12. If you climb in the cart headed for Arras, turn to page 14. We have no idea what we're looking for, really, except a unicorn. We don't know how to find them. And sure. also, we've never been to the big city before, so sure. I, I, I vote head into the big city. Around go nightclub. What, what was the other option again? Just go searching in the forest. Wandering through the forest. Yeah, wandering through the forest. No, Arras is in France. Okie doke. How's it spelled? A R R A S. Isn't Flanders in Belgium? That is not how I was spelling it in my head. Yep. O U R A S S. Yes, that is exactly how I was spelling it. I mean, who knows how one actually pronounces Arras? Probably Arras. Okay. For three days, while you ride through the forest on your way to Arras, you keep your eyes open for any sign of the unicorn. When you reach the outskirts of the city, you tell Simon about your search for a unicorn. Why don't we tell him before? Yeah, I know. Unicorns don't exist. They really like to use the word unicorn in this book, too. Well, I mean, the name of the book is the magic (laughs) unicorn. If we had a drinking game with that. I I think we already had a drinking game with that. Yeah. Uh (laughs) It's a good thing you... (laughs) (laughs) it's a good thing you mentioned this he says i happen to know that the duchess of arras has a unicorn horn she keeps it on hand in case someone tries to poison her wine that's what the kids are calling it these days Uh (laughs) i've heard she dips the horn in her goblet before she takes a sip (laughs) yes she does maybe the duchess will lend you her unicorn horn Mm -hmm. (laughs) no it's okay (laughs) That's a good idea, you answer. But do you really think the Duchess would let me borrow it? That's hard to say, Simon admits. I've always heard there's a tapestry weaver in Arras who knows a lot about unicorn magic. He might be willing to help you. If you decide to ask the Duchess to lend you her unicorn horn, turn to page 25. If you ask Simon to take you to the weaver, turn to page 36. No, I think we have to ask the Duchess. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely think we need to ask the Duchess. Okay, let's see if the Duchess will let me borrow her unicorn horn, you tell Simon. Besides, I'm curious. I've never met a Duchess. 
The clamor of jostling carts and crowds of people startles you as you ride through the dry and dusty streets of Arras. You are still marveling at the strange sights and sounds when the cart stops in front of the most enormous building you have ever seen. You count four stories. Wow. Huge. Simon helps you out of the cart. You march over to a guard standing solemnly by the front door and say, I'd like to see the Duchess. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. He eyes your coarse clothing disdainfully and answers, the Duchess is away. When will she return? The guard does not even look at you when he replies, not today. Tomorrow? He glances at you with impatience. The Duchess alone decides when she will return. May I wait inside? No. The guard points to a stone bench several yards from the door. You may wait there. You turn to Simon, not knowing what to do. Shall I take you to the tapestry workshop? Maybe you'll have better luck there, he suggests. You would like to see more of the city, and who knows how long the Duchess will be gone. Yet it may be worth waiting to ask her about the unicorn horn. If you accept Simon's offer and climb back in the cart, turn to page 36. If you say goodbye to Simon and wait for the Duchess, turn to page 35. Option three, break into the Duchess's mm-hmm. yeah. house and steal, steal her unicorn horn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, I'm still kind of... It's in her top left drawer. <laughs> I'm still kind of okay with waiting for the Duchess. Waiting but... always seems to be a bad thing right. in these books. Right. It's just, it feels like it's one of those choices where it's like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Right. Yeah, I really want that horn, and I want to see where this can go on a perverted level. Because... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Duchess. 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 After Simon rides away, you spend a few hours exploring the neighborhood. At dusk, you return to the Duchess's house and curl up on the hard bench for the evening. The next morning, you awaken in a gloomy mood. You did not sleep well, and the rumbling of your stomach reminds you there is nothing for breakfast. Just then, an approaching procession of overflowing carts and grand carriages drawn by well-groomed horses catches your attention. As the entourage stops in front of the house, the guards by the door stand even straighter. You watch servants help an elegantly dressed woman step down from the most richly decorated of the carriages. Her jewel-studded bracelet glitters as she smooths her velvet robe before entering the house. Servants unload cart after cart, carrying heavy wooden chests, bolts of brocade cloth, and, your heart skips a beat, a long, shimmering horn that is almost as tall as you are. Just can... out in the open. Yeah, it wasn't in the house. How fucking short are we? <laughs> well, it was the Middle Ages. You're probably short. It could only be a unicorn horn. You wait until the two guards are distracted in conversation, then slip into the crowd of servants and carry one of the many chests into the house. You try not to appear too curious, but the splendid furnishings almost take your breath away. Passing one chamber, you glimpse the Duchess inside, sipping wine. The unicorn horn rests on the table before her. You put down the chest and enter the room. This is a bad idea. It's an awesome idea. Bowing deeply to the Duchess, you say, Please excuse my boldness, but I've traveled a long way to ask this favor. Get out of here, the Duchess snaps at you. Grab the horn and run. It's as tall as you are, though. But grab the horn and run. (laughs) Please hear me out, you say. I just want to borrow your unicorn horn. (laughs) My village needs your help. The Duchess looks at you coldly. This is not my concern. I promise I'll return it, you insist. She lowers her goblet to the table. Please leave or I shall call my guards to escort you. As you trudge through the corridors, you find yourself thinking about stealing the unicorn horn. 
Although you would do almost anything to save your village, you're not sure you could escape with something as large as the horn. And you hate to think what would happen if you were caught. Do it anyway. But then you notice a door inscribed with a golden sun. What could be behind such a magnificent door, you wonder? Since the door is slightly ajar, you peek inside. The room is filled with shelf after shelf of neatly labeled flasks and urns. Squinting your eyes, you see the vessels contain strange powders and wonder if any of the powders can purify water. Part of you wants to go inside to investigate, but another part of you thinks you should concentrate on getting the unicorn horn. If you open the door and go inside, turn to page 92. If you decide to steal the unicorn horn, turn to page 97. And we came here for the corn, right? Yeah. This door is interesting, though. But horn. That's what's going to save our village. Yeah, I'm thinking horn. Okay, horn. You're taking that horn. Unless she has a unicorn behind this door that just grows horns. (laughs) Yeah. But yes, horn. Okay. Let's, Let's do the horn. You walk back to the chamber where you last saw the Duchess and duck behind one of the huge tapestries hanging in the hallway outside. You wait patiently until you hear the Duchess leave the room. When you peer into the chamber, you are relieved to see the unicorn horn still lying on the table. Without a moment's hesitation, you grab the heavy horn and run, smack into the Duchess herself. (laughs) Guards, she screams. The next thing you know, a dozen guards are angrily pursuing you through the winding corridors of the Duchess's house. To your horror, you realize you can't remember the way out. Can you continue running with the horn until you reach a door, or should you try to hide from the guards? If you keep running, turn to page 105. If you hide, turn to page 103. Run or hide? I say run. Run? Run. Yeah, let's fucking run. Okay. Fast as our little legs will carry us, because we're apparently... Dining? sized Yeah. Determined to find a way out, you race even faster. You don't notice how slippery the rugs are until it's too late. (laughs) Slippery rugs? Fuck. Yeah. All right. As you stumble, the unicorn horn falls from your hand, crashing onto the hard marble floor. It shatters into hundreds of pieces. Well, I didn't say it needed to be whole. You sink to your knees in despair. Just as you hear the guards approaching, you quickly snatch a piece of the broken horn and hide it in your pocket. There you go. Yep. The next thing you know, the guards Stick are... Stick hu- another one up your butt, just in case. <laughs> just in case. The next thing you know, the guards are hustling you down the stairs to a small underground dungeon. The iron door clangs shut and you hear a key clicking in the lock. The dungeon is empty, save for a pile of dusty straw. Just above your head, a barred window offers a view of the ground outside the house. Where you'll be hanged. Mm-hmm. Or guillotine or something. After several hours, a hunchbacked old servant unlocks the door and offers you a hunk of bread. You eagerly accept it and thank him. I'll bring you more in the morning, he tells you. It's not much, but I can't sneak anything else past the cook. You mean you're not supposed to be feeding me? Of course not, he exclaims. The Duchess doesn't waste food on prisoners, but I can't stand the thought of someone starving to death right under my nose. As you chew the bread, a plan takes shape in your mind. If you offer to share the piece of unicorn horn in your pocket with the old man, will he let you escape? You are desperate to leave the dungeon, but are not sure how much you can trust him. If you try to bribe the man, turn to page 111. If you think it's too soon to take any chances, turn to page 84. Yeah, I think it's a little too soon. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Fuck that guy? Okay, too soon. Thanks again, you tell the servant as he locks the iron door. Then you curl up in the straw for a nap. When you awake, narrow stripes of moonlight fill the dungeon. You remember the piece of unicorn horn in your pocket and take it out for a closer look. 
It's too dark to see well, so you place the chunk of horn on the ledge of the window. You marvel at its pearly luster, trying to forget your hopeless situation. The muffled sound of approaching hoofbeats distracts you. Through the window, you glimpse silvery hoofs, much too delicate to belong to a horse. You hold your breath, wondering if it could be a unicorn, as a shimmering horn dips between the bars of the window. For a moment, the horn rests on the piece of unicorn horn on the ledge, then touches each of the bars, instantly transforming them into fragile rods of glass. Without thinking, you reach up and effortlessly break the glass bars. And tear your hands apart. Yeah, right? (laughs) Only then do you wonder how you can hoist your body up to escape. As if in answer to your question, the long Unicorn white... Unicorn spears you in the head and drags you out of the... <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks, Yuri. As if in answer to your question, the long white horn reappears through the window. It seems to beckon, so you grab hold of it and... Grab your... my horn. Grab my horn, yep. <laughs> you grab hold of it and find yourself being pulled up and out of the dungeon. You stumble to your feet and embrace the unicorn that saved you. You were surprised to hear the gentle creature murmur, Climb on my back, I'll carry you home. You reach back through the window for the chunk of horn, then swing your leg over the slim back of the unicorn. The unicorn glides through the night toward your village. The end. Yay! And then we saved the village, because we like, here, unicorn, do that. Yeah. the well. So we could hide. We could let the servant... Oh yeah, we could trust. We could bribe the servant instead of run with the horn. I like hiding. That might be the one. Instead of running, we're gonna hide. Yeah. Still clutching the unicorn horn, you climb quickly into a big wooden trunk and lower the lid. Your heart is pounding so loudly you fear the guards will hear it, but the thunder of their footsteps doesn't slow as they race by you. Stupid guards! They didn't hear our heartbeat. Yeah. When all is quiet, you try to find a comfortable position within your cramped hiding place. You can't tell how much time passes. To your hungry stomach, it feels like centuries. You slowly open the lid a bit and peer out. The hallway is dark. You climb out and carry the unicorn horn into the nearest room. Very quietly, you open the shutters of a window and look outside. To your relief, it is not far to the ground and there is no one in sight. You hold the horn tightly and leap from the window. A broad hedge cushions your landing. You hurry through the dark and silent streets of Arras, guided by the soft glow of the heavy unicorn horn. At the sound of approaching hoofbeats, you duck into a doorway. You try to shield the light of the horn with your body, but it is impossible to conceal. The rider spots you immediately. He comes closer for a better look, cornering you in the doorway. I won't ask how you acquired it, but tell me, is that a unicorn horn you're hiding? (laughs) Just happy to see me. (laughs) The rider leans down from his horse, straining to see. Who are you, you ask, noticing the silver stars embroidered on his coat? I'm a merchant of magic, a purveyor of possibility, and I'd give anything to have a unicorn horn among my wares. In fact, I can make you a most attractive offer. I'm not interested. Behind your back, you grip the horn more tightly. Just listen, I have three splendid opals, each of which can grant you one wish. Imagine, three of your dearest dreams can be transformed into reality. He pauses to dismount, knowing he has aroused your interest. The catch is, you can use the opals only once. Then you must share them with another person. I've already had my wishes. I'll trade you not one, not two, but all three opals for that unicorn horn you're clutching. He reaches into a blue velvet pouch and displays three gleaming opals. They are the color of moonlight, but glow with the brilliance of the sun. You can't take your eyes away from them. 
How do I know these are really magic? The merchant sighs. Trust me, do these look like ordinary opals to you? You've never seen ordinary opals before, so you can't tell. The possibility of having three wishes come true is almost irresistible. Yet you can't be certain the merchant is telling the truth. If you decide to accept his word, turn to page 98. If you think it's too risky a trade, turn to page 72. I think this guy's bullshit. I think, number one, if he really wants the horn that bad, he can follow us back to our village, let us do our thing, and then make the trade. Mm-hmm which isn't an option. And number two, if he had fucking wishes and he wanted a unicorn horn that bad, he could have wished for one before and he didn't. So yes, full of shit. Full of shit. No, I can't make the trade, you tell the merchant. The survival of my village depends on the unicorn horn. The merchant sighs. I understand your reluctance, but believe me, you're making a mistake. Now tell me about the pendant you're wearing. It belongs to an old woman in my village, you answer. It's her good luck charm. I'll tell you what. If you give me the pendant, I'll trade you my horse. (laughs) Okay. Why would you give me a horse for a glass charm, you ask warily. If I'm not mistaken, that talisman has untapped magical possibilities. I'd like to have it for my collection, says the merchant. My horse, on the other hand, is disappointingly ordinary. Of course, I was led to believe it was an enchanted beast, but that's a whole other story. You hate to give away Marie Claire's good luck charm, but you realize you can't walk all the way home lugging the heavy unicorn horn. Yes, you can. It's a deal, you announce, removing the pendant. Oh. You hand it to the merchant, who pockets it and removes his wares from his horse. Awkwardly, clutching the unicorn horn, you climb into the horse's saddle. Before you can even say goodbye, you find yourself riding off the ground, above the rooftops, and into the sky. Winking wizard shrinks the merchant. That horse is magical. Whoa, you cry, tugging on the reins. The horse ignores you. With fear and fascination, you watch the world grow smaller and smaller. As the horse soars higher towards the stars, you have to gasp for air. Just as you begin to faint, the unicorn horn tumbles from your hand. A second later, you too are plunging toward the earth with deathly speed. The end. Wow. (laughs) That's a fucking epic death. (laughs) Ending? Yeah. <laughs> oh. He's done. Wow. He's done, done. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're back. Goes off the yeah, last part. You, you missed you it. You missed the epic plunge to the earth. Cool. Good. We got a magical horse that killed us. Um, I. I like the book. Yeah, I liked it I too. It was pretty good. It was right up my 13 year old alley. Yep. Oh, uh, the fact that it started again, this is a thing taking place in fucking medieval times that we didn't have to time travel to. So that was pretty awesome. I was pretty happy about that. So check for me for this one. I like this one. Yeah. Check mark. Get the dragon. I guess I recommend it. I don't remember the last bit of it. So (laughs) it's good. But I mean, we got to hang out with lepers. Yeah. So if you want more Choose Your Own Adventure, go to CYOA.com. If you want to learn more about us, go to IncrediblyDaring.com. We actually have a copy of this book that we just read, a library copy in hardback that we're going to give away. If you go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review, we'll pick someone to send this lovely book to. We might even sign it if you want us to. So I think we're going to give you a deadline of February 1st. 14th. Oh, 14th. That's right. Valentine's Day. I made that rule. How are we going to know 
who the person is on iTunes. Can you get in contact with them? I don't know if you actually can. I don't know if there is a direct message. All right, just hit us up on Twitter then, or I don't know. Will that work? Give us a five-star review on iTunes, and then send a picture on Twitter. Okay. Yep. Boom. And then we will send you a copy. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at stupendous underscore Rex. Yeah, it's a fully, like, used library book. Yeah, we'll put some pictures for it up on incrediblydaring.com in the show notes for this episode. Uh, And then you can kind of see the condition the book is in. Uh, No money needs to exchange hands. It's 100% free. We'll cover shipping and handling and all that good shit. Mm -hmm. Don't care where you are in the world. So for Incredibly Daring, I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, Jeremy uh, bought a hardcover by mistake, and uh, we don't want it. Yep. Editing all of that out. We, we want the soft covers. So, so February 14th. Jeremy is a horrible buyer of things online. Is <laughs> the moral of the story. Editing all of this out. And none of this is going to be in the episode. Apparently none of this is going to be in the episode. Mm-hmm. So February 14th is your deadline. But if you want to support us on Patreon, we may actually include this particular conversation as a bonus podcast. <laughs> and, and, and by the time this episode releases, we might already have a Patreon too. So, you know. Yeah. Who knows? We'll yeah. see what happens. Just $100 a month to hear us talk about this particular uh, Jeremy being bad at buying shit or whatever. And 100? That's a bargain. It's a, it's a, it's a hundred bargains. Yep. Wrapped into one. Yeah. All this is getting edited out. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Hardcore.